This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the long-talked-about spring offensive, which has now become a summer offensive by Ukraine and the Ukrainian army against the invaders from Russia, has begun. It was, of course, to some extent uh, delayed by weather conditions, but also there's a large force at the heart of it, 50,000 Ukrainian troops, armed and trained by NATO with new weapons and well supplied. There is a confidence in Ukraine that they can push the Russians back and regain territory that was lost in the first phase of this war. Morale appears to be very high. Unfortunately, overnight, there was an incident, the Nova Kakova Dam, which is a very important piece of infrastructure close to the city of Kherson, which is now in Ukrainian hands. The Russians appear to be guilty of blowing this dam up, bombing it. They are blaming Ukraine, but that's nonsense, it, it would seem, because it is Ukraine that would be affected, and the people in Kherson and many other places. It's a very serious piece of terrorism, really, and it's uh, breaking news as we record this now. And we're joined by Senator Tom Clonan. Tom is a military expert, of course, a former commanding officer with the Irish troops in the Lebanon, among other places, where he witnessed how horrible uh, war and conflict can be, including witnessing a massacre of refugees at the village of Kana in April 1996. Tom has written two books, both of them very important books, and he also was a whistleblower who exposed bullying and sexual harassment in the armed forces, and that has resulted in justice for many uh, people who were victims of it. So it's a pleasure to welcome Senator Clonan to discuss where we might be going with this conflict. Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Can I ask you first about the breaking news of the dam uh, the Nova Kakova Dam, which is very important and very big, and which will now, as we speak, is flooding the region of Kherson. It's a Russian-controlled part of Ukraine where this dam was sited, and it's a Ukrainian city that will be uh, damaged. Yeah, so this will flood the parts of the Dnipro Delta. Yes. And this is an area 
to the south and east of Kherson that the Russian Federation have increased their defences or have consolidated their defences because they they rather expect um, a thrust down towards Melitopol to cut off the, the land corridor from Russia proper to the Crimea. Um, so the, the Putin and General Shoigu ha- has concentrated some of his forces in this area. And I think this is where they, they, ex- they most expect if, if, you, if you like, where the, the center of gravity of Ukraine's counteroffensive will be. Um, in that it, it is something that, that Zelensky could conceivably achieve, which would be to rob Putin of this uh, so-called victory of a land corridor, which has been his only kind of tangible, um, if you want to use the word, positive outcome of his 10-day special operation, which has now turned into a, you know, I think we're at about, 475 or we're, we're pushing on towards 500 days now and um, so I, I again we don't know who who blew the dam or how it happened but given its location and given the nature of it and given the you know the outcomes and how it shapes the battlefield it, it does benefit um, Putin and his generals more so than it would or it might um, Zelensky. And it also threatens uh, the Zaporizhia nuclear facility, the biggest one in Europe. Now, fortunately, that facility is not active at the moment. But nevertheless, this was a, a terrorist act of enormous irresponsibility, almost desperation, you might say. Yeah, and this this dam is uh, three kilometers wide, and I think it's 30 meters high. But it, it's not the only reservoir that's available to Zaporizhia. So, and it wasn't completely destroyed. So, I think what it, it does is it did it did enough to achieve what Putin might might want in the short term in terms of, I suppose, denying a certain amount of ground to the Ukrainians. I mean, it certainly wouldn't stop them getting into the into that delta. But it does, you know, narrow the the, the options for them if if a large part of it is flooded. Um, which doesn't lend itself to the use of uh, armoured fighting vehicles or tracked vehicles like the main battle tanks that they've acquired. Um, but the, the Zaporizhia nuclear plant, which is which does use water for, as part of its cooling system, it, it doesn't directly impact on it, but it does hint. There's a sort of a... It, it does contain a message there that yes. if, if, uh, if sufficiently provoked or if there are operations in the Zaporizhia Kherson area that you know, this could uh, lead to further interference with the critical infrastructure, which has been a hallmark of Putin's uh, intervention in Ukraine since the outset. They've, they've targeted uh, rail, road, um, power, um, or a- any bit of critical infrastructure that they can get. They've, they've been trying to destroy it. How important are the next two or three months to the outcome of this conflict, uh, Tom? And how important to this effort are the tanks, weapons, missiles, and support that the West has given to Ukraine, including the training of these troops. There are said to be 50,000 at the heart of it. How important is this next two months? Well, this is a, a critical phase, and Zelensky's counteroffensive has you know, it has been flagged for, for some time now. 
And it was expected to take place in the spring, but the 1st of June signals the beginning of summer in um, continental European terms. So we're, it's coming, I suppose, a little later in the day. So there's huge expectation and weight of expectation now placed politically on what happens in the next couple of weeks, because the outcome of whatever counteroffensive reveals itself in the coming weeks, the outcomes, if it's successful or can be deemed to be successful, whatever success looks like, I think will shape um, the ongoing support of you know NATO and the European Union and the United States by extension. Yes. Um, so strategically, we're, we're in an extraordinary period just at the moment, uh, Eamon. Like, this is a 21st century conflict, and there is the full spectrum of deception, psychological operations, and propaganda underway, but principally deception. And in this regard, the Ukrainians are borrowing from the Russian philosophy of Maskarovka, of, you know, concealing uh, and by means of deception, not revealing your hand on the ground. And that that's a full, like we, we, we had a broadcast in Russia on Mir State Television and Radio uh, over the weekend where a deep fake broadcast of uh, President Putin asking people to, to evacuate and move into central Russia for safety, uh, announcing a mass mobilization of men in Voronezh and Belgorod in advance of a, of a Ukrainian invasion. Now, that it took the Russian authorities quite quite a period of time to to actually uh, inter- interrupt that hack of the state system. So you have that. You had drone strikes in Moscow. You've had incursions into um, a place called Shevikino in Belgorod province in, in Russia proper by the Russian Volunteer Corps or the, the Russian Freedom Legion. Um, and for the last number of weeks, we've had the more conventional intervention of the use of storm shadow missiles to launch long-range missile attacks deep into Russian-held territory that have been really targeting troop concentrations, Russian troop concentrations, command and control, or C2 um sort of headquarters formations and logistics, you know, fuel, oil, you know, any ammunition dumps. So this is all of these things together from, you know, from the psyops or the psychological operations. You know, you, 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 some of the, our listeners may have seen uh, the, 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 the TikTok videos and digital media Yeah, we platforms. saw a video, a very strange video last night. All the television stations showed it of Ukrainian soldiers putting their li- hands to their lips and going, shh. Yeah. Uh, in so, other words, say nothing, say nothing. It was kind of surreal. It was kind of meant, I suppose, to be amusing. But it did... It did seem strange in the tragic circumstances that we're looking at. This is designed to to it, it's what what the, our British friends called achieving a moral victory, which yeah. is basically instilling fear in in and amongst the um, yes the, the enemy. In this case, you know whatever troops have been deployed to Ukraine now to meet this offensive. So we're at that. Deception, and it's a full spectrum deception plan. Um, and we're in the preamble. We're in we're in this point where the Ukrainians are trying to shape the battlefield. They're trying to. They're, a number of probing attacks have taken place 
uh, in the last 48 hours. And there have been some successes in and around the Bakhmut area. So according to Prigozhin, the leader of the Wagner Group, he's admitted on his Telegram channel that the um, the Ukrainian forces have taken a, uh, a small uh, settlement called Berkhivka, just south of Bakhmut, and that they've moved towards Kishkivka, Kurdimivka, and these are all names you know we haven't heard before, but they're they, they're basically they represent the high ground around um, Bakhmut, and another another location called Paris Kovivka. So if you kind of drill down from all the noise and the fury of the propaganda to you know locations that through geolocation and independent verification can, can be said to be a focus of, of combat at the moment. I think what we're seeing is a, is a, is a probing attack in and around Bakhmut. And that could be a feint, you know, it could be a way of trying to draw uh, some of Putin's resources back into that area, which would be associated with very, very low morale amongst uh, Russian troops. Yes, and Pogosian had lashed out at Putin and at the Russian soldiers uh, in the last 48 hours. I mean, he was contemptuous. Now, we must uh, make it clear that he is really a mercenary. He does it for money. The Wagner group, they are people, many of them, let out of prison to fight, uh, maybe used as cannon fodder. But there does appear to be, on the Russian side of things, uh, Tom, and perhaps you could explain this to us, there does appear to be not a unity of purpose and criticism, severe severe criticism of the troops and by implication of their leaders and indeed even of Putin himself. Yes, Prigozhin has been explicitly uh, critical of uh, particularly um, Putin's defense minister, General Shoigu, um, who is now in and of himself, he has started to raise his own militia even though groups like the Wagner Group and Shoigu's new militia, they're actually uh, Ill illegal in Russia, but they're building them up. And there may be, there's a suggestion that uh, Shoigu could be seen potentially as a successor to Putin uh, if if the coming weeks lead to a major embarrassment or setback for, for the Russian special operation in Donbass, as, the, as they call it. Yes. So if... if if Zelensky's forces can achieve some sort of a spectacular, whatever that might look like, um, you know, that will put Putin under considerable pressure. And the fact that people like Prigozhin and others are, are speaking openly and critical of the military operation is, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very telling. And um, there are also, a, sorry to interrupt you, Tom, I really am. There are also a number, a growing number of Russian private armies. For example, Gazprom now have their own private army. They they sponsor the Champions League, Tom. <laughs> I know. I know. No, I mean it's it's. I'm laughing because it's, but it's it's not funny. Yeah, but it, well, it, but it's weird. Yeah, but you see, we're at, we're at it. This is a tipping point, not just on on the ground in Ukraine, but but I think also the the, the pressure in the Kremlin and in in Moscow is now reaching. Uh, an intensity that I think Putin will will be very very cognizant of that, and there'll be yeah. you, you know look the, these guys these hard men we've said this before they seem to have an unassailable grip on authority and 
Uh, but when they unravel, you know, yes. whether it's Gaddafi or Ceausescu or others, you know, when they unravel, they unravel very, very quickly. Yes, you've said that, you've made that point repeatedly, and, and it's borne out by what we're witnessing to some extent. But, but to get back to what's happening on the ground, I mean, I think based on the initial reports, you know, th there's a, a, a 1,000 kilometer front in Ukraine from, you know, Odessa in, in the southwest right up to Svatove in the, in the northeast. And there are these probing attacks in and around Bakhmut, as we've seen. And I, I think that my own personal view of that is that the Ukrainians obviously have had, they, they have troops in situ there because they've been fighting this incredible battle for the last month. So they, they actually have a force in place there. They're using them to launch those probing attacks in and around the high ground, as I was mentioning there earlier on. But there's another set of attacks that I think are more, much more interesting, um, down and around Donetsk itself. So yes. the, the Russians have admitted that, um, at a place called Velkia, Novosilka, and particularly a little settlement called Novodonetsk, uh, 10 kilometers southeast of, of um, Donetsk. The, the Russian-appointed governor of Donetsk has admitted that Russian forces were taken by surprise there and that that, that ground has been taken and that the, um, the uh, Ukrainian forces have moved forward as much as two kilometers in the last day or two. Now, that is south uh, south and west of Bakhmut. And that is, I think, more likely to be an axis of advance for the Ukrainians down towards Melitopol and Berdyansk to try and cut off this land corridor. So that, you know, I think we re nobody really knows what's going to happen next. And I, 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 I was yes. amused by Oleksiy Reznikov. This is um, Zelensky's defense minister who quoted Depeche Mode's song, Enjoyed the Silence, when yes. pressed upon, you know, where will the main attack take place? So it's all propaganda and psychological operations. But again, if you look at the the tools that the, the, the Ukrainians have at their disposal, that to some extent reveals what they might or might not be able to achieve. So as you were saying, they, they have admitted that they have raised a force of approximately 50,000 troops. So they, all of the international sources and the defense and intelligence community all say the same thing that, that he is, that he has assembled a force of approximately 12 brigades. These are armored fighting vehicles or mechanized brigades or tank brigades. Three of them are old you know, would have the original kind of Ukrainian equipment, T-72 tanks and so on. But nine brigades have been equipped with the NATO standard equipment. For example, the, you know, the, the UK Challenger tanks. The, and the Leopard tanks the, the, from the Germany. Tanks, that they have up to about 230 of these, that they have one and a half thousand armored fighting vehicles, and that these nine brigades have been trained by by NATO. And the idea is that this would be the equivalent of kind of like three assault divisions. Uh, so er everything in the military comes in threes. There are three sections in a platoon, three platoons in a company, three companies in a in a battalion and so on and so forth, roughly speaking. So these nine NATO trained brigades, the idea is that you would have two in the assault phase and one held back to either plug a gap or go in and exploit uh, a weakness in Russian defences. And, and when that force is mobilised, we're going to know all about it. 
So right. it hasn't happened yet, but when that does happen, and it will, wherever they assert themselves along that 1,000-kilometer front, we're going to know all about it. But it's going to be, in in my view, it'll be a very rapid-moving engagement, not unlike the one last September when they had the breakout of Kharkiv and into Kharkiv uh, province, where they regained thousands of square kilometers of territory in a very, very short time. My My feeling is that... It's a bit like if you're any students of history, the Schlieffen von Malk plan, they're not going to go up against Russian defenses full on, in a full frontal assault or like the Americans when they invaded Iraq. They're going to go around the prepared defenses. Yes. That would be my best guess because that's what, you know, the art of uh, war has, has taught us in the, in the last century that you, you don't expand your forces by, by, by doing a full frontal assault on prepared defences. So they're going to find the weak point, get in behind, and I think they're going to what try to do is cut the land corridor. And that may involve cutting off or getting in behind thousands and thousands of Russian troops and isolating them. Yes. And I think that's the point at which they would hope to try and get Putin to some sort of a negotiating position to get his yeah. people back. And it, you know, it's again, it's it's all speculation in in the fog of war. Yes. But if you look at the toolkit that the Ukrainians have, this is probably what they can achieve. And in terms of the the rapid movement, those leopard tanks, of which they have, you know, hundreds, they they have a speed on open ground of forty miles an hour, seventy two kilometers per hour, and a range of up to five hundred kilometers. So they can move very very quickly. They can outgun and outmaneuver um, the best of the Russian armor that's in place. And they really have been shaping the battlefield. Uh, I, I read with interest that on the 3rd of June, for example, just over the bank holiday weekend, when we were enjoying the sunshine in here, here in Ireland, Ukrainian long-range artillery destroyed 32 Russian uh, heavy artillery positions across the front. Yes. I mean, to me... And I, I am actually a retired artillery officer. That's what you do. That's you start taking out their capacity to deny ground, their capacity to determine or dictate what happens on the battlefield. They're softening it up for a major armored advance. And when it happens, I think it'll be very dramatic. It'll be very rapid. It's anyone's guess as to where it might happen. But as I said, my, my feeling is it'll be, um, you know, it, they might outflank and go down through Zaporizhia towards Melitopol or some point south of that on the coast to try and cut off. And that may, may end up encircling tens of thousands of Russian troops in, in Kherson Project uh, Oblast and in Zaporizhia Oblast. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To some extent, time is against Ukraine in that, I mean, tanks, for example, they need the, the summer ground to move. Uh, they can't move in the in winter, autumn when the weather gets bad. I, I think that there is there are also other time uh, pressures the American election for example and what view a Trump administration or indeed a DeSantis administration would say so in a year's time we'd be looking at a, a vastly different world picture won't we Tom and does that impose in your view real pressure on Ukraine or do they have the 17 months before the next uh, presidential election in November 20. I think I, I, I think enough Ukra- time. I think the Ukrainians have four months here. Right. They've got June, July, August, and September to make a meaningful impact because the Russian effort in and around Bakhmut was like World War One, and um, up up to fifty thousand uh, Russian and Wagner troops killed in action. Yes. in and around Bakhmut for for very very little by way of. Um, you know, gaining ground, they, they may have advanced a couple of kilometers since, and, and much of that has been retaken in the last 72 hours. So what, what has to happen now is that there has to be a very mobile, very dramatic and um, combined arms operation that is kinetic and very, very dynamic. And if you like, represents the opposite of what the Russians have been able to achieve in, in their in, in Donbass. And again, the the concentration, I would imagine, will be on Zaporizhia and Kherson. And I think that's probably why the Russians have begun to flood that delta. Um, Donetsk and Luhansk, you know, they already have a high concentration of of people who identify as Russian and yes. voted in those so-called plebiscites. So they, the focus of attention, I think, will be in Kherson and Zaporizhia. But could be wrong. Something could happen up further north in uh, in Kharkiv towards the border. But I think to, to maintain the support of NATO and um, the European Union, they won't be encroaching directly or threatening directly the Russian border or Russian territory. So for all of the reasons I set out, the, the toolkit, toolkit that they have available to them, the time and space available, about four months, and 
the, the kind of the broader political considerations, I think we're going to see a center of gravity somewhere down in, the, in that Zaporizhia, Kherson, on the border of those two oblasts, a tra- a, a, an axis of advance heading south and east towards the Sea of Azov. Uh, just uh, two more questions, Tom. One is about the morale of the fighters, the troops. Uh, is it wrong to assume or right to assume that the impression we have that the Ukraine forces are committed and ready with high morale and belief against Russian forces that aren't really, many of them conscripts, uh, some of them, unfortunately, tragically, really, cannon fodder as they've uh, been described by their own leaders even, and not very good. Does, does that, can, can that be a determining factor in these four months to come? Oh, absolutely. I mean, morale is the, and, and the motivation to fight. Yes. Is, is a key index of performance and what's going to happen on, on the battlefield. The force that have been, has been assembled, particularly the nine brigades trained by NATO, haven't been in the line. So they will be fresh and they'll be, um, you know, new to the battlefield, whereas the Russian troops ranged before them have been in situ for quite some considerable time. And because of uh, Putin's partial mobilization last autumn, these this is a kind of a, a small pool of troops. I think he mobilized approximately 300,000 people yes. who have appeared on the battlefield. But, you know, they haven't been rotated. They haven't been relieved. They're sitting there. They're waiting. They don't have the initiative. So, the Ukrainians have the motivation, the morale, the will to fight because they're, ex- as they, you know, they're expelling an invasion force, an aggressor, from from their home territory. But they also have critically um, the support of the United States, NATO, and you know, satellite imaging, every yes. every. All of those critical infrastructure targets that the Ukrainians have been hitting out at, like to, to take out 32 artillery pieces in one day on the 3rd of June, you know, that's not as a result of reconnaissance and good artillery spotting on the ground. That's as a result yes. of very, very detailed um, intelligence, co- you know, very precise coordinates obtained by what the United States refer to as national technical means or satellite technology right. to assist so, you know, the, the, the Ukrainians have, they, they will take the initiative. That'll give them some momentum and some traction, whereas the, the Russians have to defend. Now, traditionally in warfare, the people who are on the offensive will lose more people uh, yes. in the what they call the exchange ratio. They, they, they tend to suffer more casualties. But if they can move very, very rapidly, which they have done before, and which the Russians have shown they're not capable of doing, then they could outflank very, very large numbers of Russian troops and we could see a dramatic reversal or a dramatic route. I mean, even Prigozhin was quoted in relation to that um, settlement of Berkivka being captured. You know, in, in his comments on that, he says that the Russian defenders uh, quietly ran away. Yes. And this has been a feature, you know, we, yes. we've seen troops routed and we know that because there weren't, um, counterattacks and is a slow advance. You know, when you have a very, very rapid advance like that and there's no meaningful resistance, it means that the enemy has been routed because they have had fixed positions 
and fixed artillery support and air support from you know yes. assets close to close inside the Russian territory itself. When when you liberate large areas of that kind of territory, it's 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 a sign of a, a lack of a capacity to respond meaningfully, and that's you know this inability to respond meaningfully on the ground finds expression in the wave upon wave of drone and missile assaults on places yes. like Kiev and Dnipro and Odessa in recent in, in recent weeks. You know, it's a sign of, I think, um, impotence on the part of the Russian military. They can't change the facts on the ground, so they're targeting civilians in cities and built-up areas. A very final question. This the blowing up this Kakova dam overnight, will that make a significant enough difference to what's going to happen? No, I don't think so. But I, it is symptomatic, though, of, you know, this period we're in now of full spectrum interference, deception, probing, yes. trying to establish weak points in, in the Russian defences. And the I, I think that on the balance of probabilities, if Zelensky is lucky, there is the potential here for um, Ukraine to inflict a, a, a dramatic, if you like, about turn on. I, I think that, that, that there is within the bounds of probability the possibility for the Russian, for, for the Ukraines to, to achieve a spectacular success in, in, in those received terms. But it will come with, with loss, a huge loss of life. But I think that they have nothing to lose now. They, they, they have to go for it in the next couple of months because what happens on the ground in the next few weeks is going to determine what's going to happen in the next year and a half. And then, you know, the, the broader questions of what happens if there is a negotiation, if there isn't a negotiation, if, if um, Putin's grip on power is loosened. Like at the moment, the Russians don't have troops in places, you, you know, along the border with Azerbaijan. They, they've taken all their troops out from places like uh, North Ossetia and South Ossetia. Will, will a, if there is a Ukrainian victory, will it embolden other parts of the Russian Federation to challenge right. uh, Kremlin hegemony? And could we see an unraveling of the Russian Federation in a manner not dissimilar to what we saw in the former Yugoslavia? And faced with that prospect, could you get a hardliner who succeeds Putin, who would announce a national mobilization of all, of all Russian troops. You know, the, 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 the short to medium to long-term implications of what's happening um, will be determined what happens on the ground in June, July and August. Okay, Tom, uh, Senator Tom Clonan, we're very grateful to you as always. Thank you very much for joining us on the stand. That's uh, Tom, and we're very, very grateful to him for guiding us through this conflict. We're grateful to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.